This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by our Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. You told me that my take was unoriginal, but I'm going to give it anyways. You are the host. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Catch-22 podcast. My takes are sometimes unoriginal, Alex, but they're correct. That's the way I look at it. I just want to be accurate, even if it's what everybody else is saying or even if it's something I've said before. If that's what it is to me, that's what it is. Now, with that being said, busy day. Busy today. day. And by the way, that that's what this show has been since its inception before yeah. it was this show. Just pointing out the obvious. We're, we're not necessarily trying to come in and, and, and burn the place down. We just want to be right. We want to take... If there's one thing this show appreciates, it's a good victory lap. This show is basically <laughs> just one long uh, vehicle to set up victory laps. That's all it is. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. We don't have a ton of victory laps yet. But one victory lap we certainly both Well, this have. is, what is this? This is uh, uh, Brian Hoyer, episode eight? <laughs> yes. Uh, Antoine Walker, eight? Antoine Walker, eight, for sure. Carl Yastrzemski, of course. Can't forget about Yaz. Yeah. Uh, was Cam Neely eight? Was Cam Neely seven or eight? I think he was eight. I'm going eight. I People are going to be furious at me for not being able to get this. Uh, there's other, pa- we're missing one Patriots eight. I don't know why I can't Juwan place Bentley it. Juwan Bentley eight. A Juwan Bentley eight. Is a Cam Neely eight? A uh, Josh Miller eight? There you go. The punter back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah. I looked this up last week when we did the sevens. There haven't been a lot of the eights. I was right about Cam Neely, though, right? You were yeah. right about Cam Neely. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. All right. So we don't have a lot of victory laps yet about the Patriots right. to take. Not because we've been wrong. It just show hasn't been on that just, long. And we also just, I think the Patriots still need to hold up their end of the bargain for us to take yeah. some victory laps. Now, with that being said, one victory lap that we both certainly can take is the Zach Wilson is not good victory oh, lap yeah neither one of us were huge wilson guys coming in item is the sixth quarterback in that draft i think i had him at five or four in that draft but certainly light years behind lawrence fields yeah trey lance you know, i fell in love with trey lance we still don't know about trey lance it, we still here's the, the book's still out on trey lance and yeah. and i'll even say this sitting here as a person and this apparently might surprise some people i didn't realize this was up for debate as somebody who's a big-time Mac Jones guy, yeah. book's still out on Mac Jones. We don't know. He might be an NFL quarterback. He might right. not. We know about Zach Wilson now. We know. He's oh. not. And it's not even necessarily the raw quarterbacking ability. He doesn't he, – he's not uh, – he doesn't have the makeup, the mental makeup of yeah. an NFL quarterback. He just he just doesn't. You saw it in the postgame. Yeah, I think we saw that in the postgame – I was listening to your guy, Ted Johnson, this morning briefly, and he also mentioned that he's not a captain, which I don't usually look too deep into those types of things, but you're two Mac Jones, C on his chest, so right? The other, captain. One of the big knocks about Zach Wilson coming out was that he was a multi-year starter at BYU. He started right. as a, I don't remember, sophomore, junior, junior, senior, whatever it was. He was never a captain. Yeah, A multi-year starting quarterback not being a captain in college football is unheard of. And even just making him the captain just because he's the quarterback. Right. Right. Like, even if he doesn't earn it, a lot of teams will just give the quarterback, the, the starting QB, the incumbent starter, the entrenched starter, the captainship just because they want the quarterback right. to be and, a leader. And I think on the you team. could say the same about what's going on with the Jets right now. It's not, it's not like, oh, you know, we had all these qualified players. He's not, no, the quarterback is usually 
a captain. Like they just, we thought Mac might have been named a captain last year. We were talking about that as right. an outside shot after Cam got cut. Right. No, that happened because he's not up to it. Just so, talking about Wilson. Robert Sala went to the podium yesterday. I don't know if it was the virtual podium or the physical podium, but he was at the podium yesterday in uh, in the Meadowlands and said that he's not a hundred percent committed to a quarterback next week. So this is starting to get really dicey with Zach Wilson and. I don't want to take away too much from what the Patriots defense did on Sunday against the Jets and come in here and say they actually didn't play that good because I don't think that that's necessarily true. They're the Patriots, and I what I did before the show to kind of plan this show out was I put things in two buckets, things I liked about this game yeah. and things I didn't like about this game, and I want to tee them up, and then we can talk about them. You can call in also and weigh in on this 855-PATS-500. If you want to, email us at webradio at patriots.com as well and give your two cents on how I break this down or how you uh, – another point if we don't get that to that, tee us up for it. So give us a call, and we're with you for the next hour until uh, the head coach, until Bill comes to the podium. So we'll, we'll be here for the next hour. Anyways, one of the things that I did like about what they did on Sunday – well, first of all, Zach Wilson not being good is great, right? right. I mean, that that's – confirms our priors which is obviously most important but secondly it means another team in the AFC East is searching for a quarterback I think as soon as next year's draft which which is fascinating and you also put into it that the Jets are probably still going to be around a 500 football team so it's not like they're going to have you're talking about for the rest of this year yes okay yeah so it's not like they're going to have a top five pick again to take a quarterback. So I think there's a really good chance that the Jets are going to sell the farm to move up for a quarterback and maybe Zach Wilson will be involved in that trade, right? A team that wants to try to tap into that physical potential and maybe they think that their situation can get more out of him sort of thing. So that or cuz I mean the Jets might be a quarterback away from being legit. They, I, that that's that's sort of what I was getting at with the defense is watching this this film back. The Patriots front, their defensive front, is excellent, and I know everybody's waiting to play Buffalo, right? And everybody's right. waiting for the shoe to drop with this defense. And I'm not saying that the Patriots' defense is going to hold the Bills to ten points or anything like be pretty that. Pretty cool if they did. I don't think that's going to happen. But the way that they play the run. And the way that they rush the passer right now is it's fun to watch. I mean, they are coming downhill at the line of scrimmage. Guys like, you know, on the defensive line, Wise, Godshaw, Larry Guy, Matthew Judon. You know, those guys are doing their jobs up front. You have the linebacker level. I think Tavai's been sneaky, okay? Yeah. I'm not saying that he's a superstar, he's done but his job. he's done his job. Jawan Bentley, when you're having him just come down and fill against the run, and that's his only responsibility, uh, he's been huge. Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers just lighting bodies up in this game. It was That was one of my favorite parts of this game, is Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers just filling from depth, whether it's linebacker or too high alignment and with the safeties rotating, and they just come in and they get into like a a fit uh, in the, against the run and they are coming downhill at people and you see that sort of physicality you see I think the energy that this defense plays with uh, or you can call it speed I suppose but yeah. I, I call it more energy 
that they play with against the run and in the pass rush is terrific. Their four and five man pass rush on third down is ridiculous. I mean, they can do all sorts of different things. It's not Judon allows them to get creative with it because he can win a one-on-one on any given down, but it's a team effort up front with those guys. Judon wise, a quality just, playing that interior role of taking on double teams and occupying guys on stunts. Uh, Uche, Mac Wilson. So they have that five-man rush unit going let's not forget, at a high rate right they now. They don't have arguably their second-best pass rusher right now in Christian yeah. Barmore. And they, look, sure. they won't have him for a bit, but there, there's still room for this group to grow, I guess is my point. Yeah, I just love watching their five-man pass rush package on third down because they can just do – so many different things out of it. They can two-man stunt like a T&E. They can three-man game. They can spy with Mac Wilson, or he can be part of that five-man rush package. They can one-on-one beat you one-on-one. They can beat you with loops. They can beat you with blitzes, uh, you know, nickel blitzes, linebacker blitz. I mean, it just they can throw so many different things at you as a group, and you just never know where it's coming from, right? Like who's looping, who's picking, who's blitzing, who's dropping. Like it's all just creative and and exotic right now and just difficult to decipher. I'd say more so for the offensive line than the quarterback. Right. I think a lot of gets made out about confusing quarterbacks, but that's not necessarily what the pressure package is naming to do. That's more about confusing the offensive line. And this Jets offensive line, you know, they're opening the center to one direction and then they're spinning it the other way. And they're just getting all sorts of uh, pressure on Zach Wilson. I think their pressure rate was 48% in this game, which is incredible. And that's without a lead, right? Like right. The, the Cowboys pressured Kirk Cousins on 60% of his dropbacks in that game on Sunday, but they're up 40 to three. So they're pinning their ears back and getting sacks in the second half. The Patriots were in a 3-3 ball game the entire game, and they still pressured Zach Wilson on half of his dropbacks. That's incredible. So I think this pass rush is legit. But when you look at you know going to the things that I, I didn't like as much about this game after watching the film is that, quite honestly, the, the coverage wasn't great. And I think that this Jets receiving group is a little bit underrated. Garrett Wilson's a dude. That guy is going to yeah. be a good player. If he gets a competent quarterback, he's going to be a thousand yard receiver in this league. I think that Conklin, their tight end is a little bit underrated. Yeah, he can play. Denzel Mims has stone hands, but he gets, when he, when he, he catches the ball, he makes plays and he also gets open, right? Yeah. Like, he might not complete the catch, but he can get open. So in this game, there was a handful of opportunities. I'd say half a dozen plays that a good quarterback hits. He just, a good quarterback is not going to miss these throws. A good quarterback is not going to miss his tight end open over the middle. And he throws it 10 yards over his head and Devin McCourt into Devin McCourty's lap, right? Like those right. types of passes are going to get completed on you. So on the one hand, love what they're doing with the rush. I think the rush definitely helps out the coverage a ton and makes it so that quarterbacks have to fit the ball into their first progression, right? It's not like they have all day to go one, two, three, or one, two, check down. Like they have to find an outlet quickly because of the way that they're rushing the quarterback. But you do get a little bit concerned about the way that they're covering. And I just look at it now and, and I see the good teams, you know, Miami, Buffalo, Cincinnati, these good pa- passing attacks. I would say even the Raiders to a degree as well, just because they have Devontae Adams. Uh, these teams are going to take 
Miles Bryant, they're going to take Jalen Mills, and they're going to target these guys a ton, right? Like they're just right. going to come after those dudes. So whether it's Marcus Jones getting run on defense, if Miles Bryant's having a tough game, or uh, they have you know John Jones, Jack Jones, and and, uh, and Bryant in the slot, or you know whatever mix and matching they can do, I think that that's an advantage that they have this year that they didn't have last year. Is they have some options. If guys are not playing well, they don't have to live and die by Miles Bryant against Isaiah McKenzie they can change it up a little bit but they didn't cover particularly well in this game and there's definitely some things that they need to improve on and in that regard and I've just I still can't get there with this defense where I'm 100% sold that this is going to last and it's not so much about the defense not being good it's just Eventually, they're not going to hold teams to three points and 103 yards of total offense. And when they played the Bills, Did you know that was the lowest yardage total of the Belichick era. That I believe, and it really it could have been less. Like there was instances right. where you I know, mean, the wind turned what should have been an interception to a 40 yard completion for the Jets. Right on that right. deep ball, and and that's why kind of you talk about putting this in context, right? The good and the bad. And I had this conversation with somebody yesterday, and, and I'm interested to to get your thoughts on it. Bill's been here for 22 years. Yeah. They've played a lot of games. They've played a lot of bad offenses. They've played a lot of bad quarterbacks. So to hold a team to 100 to, to the lowest yardage total ever in that era, regardless of who's there, is impressive. Like, we just said off the top, we don't think Zach Wilson's an NFL quarterback. Is he the worst quarterback Bill Belichick has faced in New England? I don't think so. No, I mean, they started Bryce Petty against the Patriots a couple years ago. Right, I was going through a list the other day, EJ Manuel. He's better than Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. No, but I was going like, I was just going through the AFC East quarterbacks. Brooks Bollinger started a game for the Jets against the Patriots at one point. Like, so it's, you're, you're grading them on a curve for sure. But the fewest total yards allowed in the Bill Belichick era, I don't care who the quarterback is. That's impressive at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Now, after the game, Garrett Wilson was very vocal about his displeasure, I think, mainly with the quarterback play. Yeah. I know he didn't – I he, he was a good teammate and talked about it from at least a, somebody was. a big-picture standpoint of all of us, right? It was us. It was we. It wasn't Zach, right? It wasn't like he was singling out the quarterback. But I, I think that – I still have to see it. I do. I still have to see it against Buffalo. I against teams like Cincinnati and in Miami. I, I think that you know those teams to me are not the ultimate litmus test. Just because if you want to see how much this team has improved from last year to this year, it's about stopping Buffalo, right? And I, right. and again, I'm not saying that they need to hold Buffalo to three points. I'm just saying that they need to be more competitive against the Bills than they were in those two games last year, especially the the one here. In the regular, I, I hate talking about the playoff game because they have you know Devonte Bosby and Jawan Williams playing corner. In right, the playoff they were game. so banged up at that point. So it's really the the regular season game here. A- until we see it against that team in a, a full capacity, like next Thursday night or um, you know in Buffalo the last week of the season, I'm still going to have reservations. I mean, that's I I, I don't know. I I just can't help it now. If the defense was their biggest problem, they'd probably be a 13-win team right now, right? So I hate to pick on them. I just – I think that there are going to be moments where this coverage is going to get exposed. I'm less worried at this point. I know this is crazy because Al Belichick always got problems with mobile quarterbacks, yada, yada, yada. But I am a little bit less worried about that now um, than I am about them just holding up in the back end. If that pass rush – 
goes cold. Like if the pass rush does not have a good game against the Bills, then I don't think that they can just dominate with coverage anymore. But every I mean that's just football. That's not unique to the Patriots. Every team is built around its strengths and weaknesses, right? Teams that pass rush like that generally play a little more aggressive in the secondary yeah. because they know the quarterback has less time. It was the opposite here for the last couple of years where they had that dominant secondary, so the pass rush was a little more conservative because if the quarterback extended the play, so be it. He still probably wasn't going to find anybody. I think some of what we're seeing in coverage is just they're trying to capitalize on this pass rush. And if something happens where the pass rush goes cold, I think they can make adjustments and maybe it won't be perfect on the back end, but I think they can make adjustments where it doesn't need to look like that, right? I think that's trying to take your strength and capitalize on it versus, right? Because you're going to try, if you know the quarterback doesn't have time for routes that develop at the second level, you're going to jump those routes at the first level. You also, I think the other thing that I'm still holding on to with this defense is that against Wilson, uh, they were using their safeties to jump some of those intermediate routes because I think they knew that they were going to try to get the ball out of his hands and not have him just sit there and pat the baby and and throw interceptions like he did last time. So uh, you're going to play Buffalo completely differently. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's why like I look at at some of the coverage stuff like you're talking about. And and remember, earlier in the year before the pass rush really got going, we were talking about how good this secondary was. Yeah. And Jack Jones and Jonathan Jones. And that was actually against some good – I know they lost the game, but we were talking about how well they looked against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and and that passing attack that's really come on now, right? So – I'm not – the pass rush needs to play at a high level for them to be competitive against a team like Buffalo, against a team like Cincinnati, certainly. I'm not saying that the pass rush can afford to go cold in those games, but I'm not super worried about the secondary right now. I I think that they, they have enough back there. So we'll get to Minnesota here by the end of the show, I promise, but this is a really good appetizer because the Vikings yeah. – have some things in the passing game that can that can scare you, right? I mean, Justin Jefferson's well, might be the best yeah, receiver I was say, in the league right now. Thing. We'll get there. But the point that I'm getting at is that this is a step up in competition, yeah. certainly from what they played uh, against Sam Ellinger or against Zach Wilson over the last couple of weeks. So this is a step up. So we'll, we'll see what this defense looks like on Thursday night. The other thing that I liked, and I'm gonna st- I'm gonna start. Maybe this will be like a compliment sandwich, all right? I'm going to start with some compliments right. for the offense because, you know, we are Patriots.com, so we yep. can't, we're not going to just be completely negative, all right? Well, we're not making stuff up either. I think there was stuff to And like. we're going to – then I, we're going to certainly get to some of the things that really bugged me, like really, really bugged me about the way this game was called by Matt Patricia. Now, what I did like, and I'm on the record in multiple places saying that I, I would like – them to be a spread offense I would like them to spread the field and I think people when they hear spread they, they think I'm saying a vertical offense I'm not necessarily saying no, that spread it out spread it out space the formation right I want them to be RPOs I want them to be quick game I want them to be in third and six and hit intermediate routes on third down right like that's what my dream is my my fever dream about the Patriots is that they come out and they got all sorts of crazy RPOs like they're Miami and we're having fun with it like that's that's what I want with that being said I think we've gotten to the point now this season seeing it both ways seeing it with Zappy, seeing it with Mac, seeing it with Mac and Gun, seeing it with Mac under center, that the stuff that they did with Zappy and now the stuff that they did on Sunday with Mac from under center 
is their best option. It's just what they're best at when they execute it properly. Yeah. Now, in this game, what well, I... Well, re- because it's something that they execute much more consistently than everything right. else. So, in this game, what I really liked about some of the things that they did, they had some of those zappy play-action passes into this script, right? Where they had seven guys or eight, if you want to count, the running back is kind of scanning for blitzes and, and penetrators as well. And they're just running two guys into the route. You know, it's a vertical clear out for Parker or Thornton or Aguilar or someone like that. And then Myers is usually the one running that intermediate route, whether it's a crosser or kind of like a read it route where he has a little bit of an option down the field or what have you. So they they ran a lot of that zappy stuff that we saw against Cleveland and Detroit from under center play action. The full house package was a cool wrinkle. What I, are we What are we calling? It? Are we calling it the full house? It's a full the house. Uh, inverted wishbone, the diamond. I'm going full house. Okay. I just like that. I don't know. I've heard a lot of different... I'm sure they have something for it. It's probably named after a basketball player, but... I I tried to ask Hunter Henry, and and he gave me a little smirk and was like, no, not not giving it to you. We'll we'll find out by the end of the year. I'm sure we'll we'll get something. Maybe we can get it off the record from one of them. So we're going to call it a a full house. Or I'm going to call it. Call it whatever you want. I'm going to call it a full house. So loved that. And I think what you really saw was they kept on running that those you know kind of double lead play right and it's double lead double lead they hit a big run on Damian Harris ran for 30 yards on one of them by bouncing it outside and then you hit him with the play action right and you get the big one to Johnu right. the 26 yarder to Johnu so they did a lot of good things from under center play action that I liked that I think for for now that has to be your base right and I'm not saying that's going to be your whole offense but that has to be your base offense and First and 10 from the 25, you're under center, and you're either running the ball to try to, to, to – I hate using that phrase, but I'm going to use it – establish the run or your play action on first down, which is what I would prefer. I'd prefer them to be more aggressive on first down. And this right. game, they were like a 50-50 split almost exactly. So I, I like that. Uh, in terms of aggressiveness, but it maybe even 60-40 pass. Like, really get those play action well, I numbers I think some up. of that is probably the game dictating it as well. Maybe a little bit. Maybe the right. wind, maybe the game. Yeah. So I think that they can do some really good things, especially against these zone teams, and the Vikings are another zone team as well, uh, where they can really get some big plays down the field off of play action. And there were some instances, uh, the one that he hit to Myers uh, for 20 yards where he had good protection. He had yep. time and space in the pocket, just like Zappy did. And, and the big reason why is because they had seven guys <laughs> into pass protect. They kept both tight ends in. Uh, the running back, like I mentioned, is sort of a, an extra uh, blitz protector as well. So it, they have some some real bodies up front to keep them clean, and he's able to make these throws down the field. So I think that those are things that, that you can take away from this offense and say, for now, this is probably who they are. And secondly, it worked. So if it ain't broke, right? I mean, that this needs to be their base of their offense. Yeah, I, I, I liked what I saw. There were elements of things that we've kind of been saying they should add. I Maybe my favorite play was the one where they ran. I actually don't know what you call this because it was play action in the sense that it was a run fake to draw off the defense and then throw it, but it wasn't a fake handoff. It was a fake pitch, right? The one, the one to Hunter Henry. Yeah. yeah. Like, is that play action? I actually don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's play action. It's cool. It's it's play action with a different kind of ball fake. They're what they're faking a crack toss, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't yeah, know if there's nice. a different term when you're faking a toss instead of faking a handoff. I, you don't it's see that very like you don't see that very often. No, it's some not of the common... some of the Shanahan teams do it just because they bootleg so much. Right, but yeah, not very much. But I, it, you had, I mean, 
How many times have we been able to say all of these words together in a row this season? They went under center, play action, cleared out the side, brought Hunter Henry back, brought a tight end back across, rolled Mac Jones out of the pocket, and hit the tight end with room to run after the catch. Yeah. That's a lot of words that have not been said a lot about this Patriots well, team this I think season. When they... And when you see something like that, and then I think they went no huddle out of it, or it might have been a player yeah, or two I'm later. I'm going to get to it. It's a What they did, Just... well... I like that they went no huddle. What they called no, when they went no huddle. Like you don't like that they went no huddle? No. Okay. So just as it as it, let, let no, me let me let me separate. I, I'm hang on. getting there. Separate two things here. Well, because I like that play, and then they go up to the line and they start going tempo. No. You you just don't like they're doing tempo at all. What's wrong with tempo? No. Okay. So they run. This is this is the problem. This is what I wrote about in after further review, and this is what's driving me absolutely up a wall about this game on Sunday, which. The reason why it's driving me up a wall is because they should have won this game 30-3, to okay? And they didn't win the game 30-3 to for two reasons. One, we'll get to the offensive line and we'll get to the sacks. That's in the don't-like category, yeah. obviously. And what's also in the don't-like category is the damn play caller, okay? Because you're talking about the sequence with Hunter Henry. I just mentioned the completion that they had to Jacoby. This is the same sequence. Right, those okay? are back-to-back. Back-to-back plays. Yeah. They go under center. They go play action. And what what – do you know oh my god they ran play action with some run action in it too right like they right. motion the receivers in tight to the formation that's usually a tell that they're bringing that receiver in to block somebody in the box whether it's a crack toss or just one of their uh, inside zone or duo plays like that's how you get that extra body inside is with that motion so the motion marries up to the run game then the offensive line is blocking like it's a run and oh we have it like we're going okay this is execution on play action this is designed on play action so they hit back-to-back plays. They go 20 yards to Myers, 20 yards to Henry on back-to-back play-action plays. They get first and 10 in the Jets' territory, and what do they do? They put they a slow to totally town. different personnel grouping out there. Totally different personnel grouping. They go 11 personnel. They go trips to one side. They go shotgun. Shotgun. You just had two forty yards in two plays, two explosives in back-to-back plays, and the very next play we run a complete. It's like a line change, right? It's right. like a line change in hockey. We take all these guys off the field. We put pass game players on the field. We run a shotgun trips formation offense, and Mac Jones gets sacked instantly. Instantly sacked. On the next play, after he gets sacked. We're just going to go back into the shotgun because why not, right? Because that, that's totally what's working. So we go back into the shotgun holding penalty, second and 27. So you just had a positive drive where you get into Jets territory. I think it's like first and 10 from the Jets 35-yard line or something like that, and you move backwards 17 yards in two plays from the gun. One right. of the, the one that they got called for holding was the one that they went no huddle. Right. Not ready to play. So – Here's the thing with the play calling, and we've talked about it a lot already, I think, on, on this show and other shows here on, on Patriots.com, and I, there's two ways that I, I, you know, I look at it or ways to call I We've been calling it like it's training camp, right? We're just running plays to run plays, and I think there's 100% truth to that. Like I think that's exactly what's happening right now. They have a play sheet. Let's call it 20, 25 plays that are in the install for the game, and, and they're just picking them at random. None of them are complementary. None of them sequence together. None of them make any sense together. Like How you go from 
too explosive off of play action from under center, and then you run shotgun trips and get sacked. Like those plays have nothing to do with each other. So good teams, good coordinated offenses, good play callers would look at that and say, okay, so we motion Hunter Henry in tight to the formation. Like we're going to crack toss. We fake the crack toss. We bootleg Mac out, which I love because they got to move the pocket some now because the offensive line's a problem. And we hit Hunter Henry on a crosser for 20 yards. A good offensive coordinator, the very next play, first and 10 from the 35-yard line, crack toss. Right. Crack toss from under center. So you show them, even if it doesn't go anywhere, you're showing them the action again. You're showing them that you will do it. You're showing them that this is a complementary play to one of our base plays. Because now you can run the same exact fake again, right? And then you hit them with the fake. This is what all of... This is what the Shanahan team does. This is what their their whole crew is all about, right? Is marrying right. up their play actions to their runs and sequencing them together so everything looks the same and it's difficult to predict what's coming. Later on in the game, or actually it was earlier, but there's three instances where this happened. Earlier in the game, they came out in that full house formation. They get an explosive 30-yard run by Damian Harris out of the full house. Right. Then they go back under center and they check it down to Damian Harris for 15 yards off of play action. And then they go back in the gun. Right. And it's just like, this has no semblance of sequencing of complementary plays of scripts scripting, right? Like we're just pulling plays out of a hat. Like, Oh, now like we feel like doing this and now we feel like doing that. And, the offense right now, back in the day, and I know we always say this, right? Back in the day when they had Tom Brady and they had Josh McDaniels, back in the day they were able to do this because they were so damn good that they could execute anything. Right now right. they don't major in anything. There's no foundation to the offense, and the talent and the execution from play to play is not good enough for them to just run everything. Like, right now they have a mix in their playbook of some of its Shanahan stuff, some of its old-school McDaniel stuff, some of its spread stuff. Like, they just have so much stuff, okay? But they're not good enough to execute all of it. So the best thing that they could do for their team moving forward is this is the three things that we are good at as an offense, and until teams stop us, we're just going to keep running these three things. And... Even at times, I would say with McDaniels, they did this. Like they, in the Super Bowl against the Rams, Super Bowl 53, they ran the same play three times in a row down the field on the game winning touchdown. Against the Bills last year in the windstorm, they ran G lead a hundred times. Perillo is is egging (laughs) me on right now. They ran G lead a hundred times against the Bills, and they just kept pressing the button. Crack toss. There you go. It's like me playing Madden, right? Like in Madden, I used to run the same play a hundred times. Well, there's only like ten plays in Madden, I didn't but that's care. another story. This guy is just like he he's on Ask Madden. He's like, like, what do I do next? I I don't know. Now we're gonna do this. Now it's just Hey, I, I, I sequence my plays in Madden. It's very frustrating to watch, and I'm sure it's frustrating to fans to watch when they have these positive plays out of certain formations, and then the next play, it's like that formation isn't even in the playbook anymore. 
and we're just right. running something completely different. So in this game, the offensive line was a problem. We're gonna we're gonna hit on that next. I but they were moving the football. But every single time they move the football, for some reason, it's almost like they're like red zone or fringe red zone offense. They have like one set of plays for that, and then they have one set of plays from it between, does feel like that. between the twenties. And so they can't, they just won't pull from the between the twenty section of the playbook once they get inside the thirty. Right? Like it's like that's off limits now. Which is where it's not like Madden because Madden will tell you to run four verts from the two yard line. That's fine if it's working. Doesn't not, work. Not that one. That that doesn't work. So. The last drive where this happened was the one where they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. The fourth and three yes. play to yes. nowhere. So the first down play, they're on the Jets side of the field. The first down play, they actually pulled Trent Brown from left tackle. They run power, basically, with yeah. Trent Brown as the puller. And that was cool. Like I was like, oh boy, here comes 380 pounds right at you. So And remember, they were doing that earlier this year, like that Green Bay game, and it was great. Yeah. And I we'll talk about maybe what was up with Trent, but that that's a look that works. Right. So first down, first and ten, they run for six yards by pulling Trent Brown. Yep. Second and four from like the Jets like 30, 40 yard line. Like good position to be in. I'll find a sequence here. What's the next thing that they do? They run outside zone. Like that's that what are we doing? Like this is a completely different play. Like it's a completely different scheme. So they run outside zone and Damian Harris gets tackled by three jets behind the line of scrimmage and now it's third and seven. So what do they do on third and seven, Morell? They run the power with Trent Brown from under center on third and seven. Well you're gonna gain eight yards? From an under center run? But here's the thing. It, here, here's where it bothers me more. Aye, aye. If, if, it, it, like, if you're in four down territory, right? If you yes. know you're going for it there. Sure. Then, all right, okay. pick up four yards because, right, then you sure. get fourth and three, that, fourth that, and four, and you're in good shape. It's the fourth down call that so then, then bothers me. So then on fourth down, they've gained 10 yards on two plays by pulling Trent Brown. Yeah. On fourth and three, they run a sweep play from shotgun. On fourth and three. And that's where it kills me. Because again, I'm I'm not opposed to running on third down. If you know, if you're sitting there like third and seven like they were, and you say, All right, we're gonna run the ball here. Yes. We're gonna get to a third and three or fourth and three, fourth and four, and then because when you're in fourth and three, fourth and four, you have a you have options. You have a lot of options. Right. And that's where you want to be as a play caller. You wanna have options. You don't want to be limited to, oh, we can only do this, we can only do that. So the third call, the third down call, maybe you'd like to see a different run play, but I don't hate the overall idea. That one was fine. You got to come with something. I generally, as a rule, hate shotgun runs. I don't think they're they're especially go- when you don't have a good offensive line. Right. They're they're fine as like a change of pace thing to keep the defense on their toes. But I would rather the back gets the ball where he's already built up some momentum and can see everything in front of him, which is running under center, not out of the shotgun. It's a philosophical thing. You don't have to agree with me. But like you said, we're, the offensive line can't get anything. Blo- and they did it on the other fourth down, too, after the Mac Jones quarterback sneak. Right. Right, where they ran out of shotgun. You're giving the back the ball as he's moving laterally. He's moving east to west. That's where his momentum is. And and you're having Nelson Aguilar block a linebacker. Right. He's not necessarily going to get a chance to cut it up the field because you haven't had those cutback lanes all day. 
Yeah. Right. The 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 explosive plays created by the backs were created by them finding space. So it was tough. the third and seven, whatever. Honestly, the third and seven. Okay. Whatever. But, the fourth down. That that's the one that got me. Fine. So here's the thing, though. So they pull Trent Brown twice. They gain yeah. ten yards on the play. Cool looking play. The Jets wanted no part of getting in front of that free train. Like right. they they had success with it. So. Whether it's on that drive or it's the next drive, why can we not get Trent Brown faking the pull and it's play action, right? Like that, right. that that's how you do it, right? Like, okay, so now Trent Brown pulls, but instead it's that they, they call it Charles Barkley, right? Yeah. They pull the guard. Instead of the guard, it's the tackle. The reason why it's, it was the tackle in this instance is because the guards couldn't block anybody. So right. it was better to you know have them kind of form a three-man surface and, and fold the defense that way with three guys, and then you pull the, the tackle instead. Nice little wrinkle, nice adjustment. Yeah. Fine. So on the next series, if we pull Trent Brown and we get the linebackers are like, oh, here comes again. Right. And then you hit Hunter Henry right behind it for a this is that's that's how we marry plays together, right? right? They never went back to it. They never went back to it. They they ran it twice, they never went back to it, and what's yeah, done is done. They're setting it up for the Vikings. They're that's setting it, it up for the Vikings. It for it's the, the Vikings. long game. Setting it up for Buffalo. Right. Michael's been waiting for a long time on the phone. So Michael, what what's going on? Thanks for waiting. No, you're you're good, man. Actually, you hit exactly what I was going to talk about of play calling, especially on that fourth and three, which was just egregiously bad. And I'm like, the thing was, Mac was playing pretty well. Um, in, in retrospect, too, right? Like he was playing pretty good. Like you know, he, at one point he was ten for ten. I know he had like four sacks during that time too, but he was throwing it well. And on that sequence specifically, they ran it four times. Yep. So I just. I, I was just I was frustrated by that and, and yeah you're right guys they, they should have like it felt like they were dominating the entire game the fact that it came down to the very end just seemed like uh, it was it was uh, it was tough to watch but exciting way to end uh, but you're both there I mean this was kind of like a true sickos game um, oh yeah it was that really impacting the, the the passing game like Zach Wilson said some things during like that but it didn't yeah. seem like it really uh, impacted Max too much. Yeah, uh, thanks, Michael. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. So on that point on the wind, and then I really do want to talk about yeah. the offensive line, it, I think it was more of a factor in the kicking game than it was in, in the passing game. Zach, yeah, Zach I, Wilson airmails throws every single week, so I'm not going to put it, give him the benefit of the doubt so, that the wind caught one of his passes. Honestly, honestly, the one time the wind impacted him, it helped him. Because it was was it Garrett it, Wilson it knocked it down the one down the sideline that Jack Jones has yeah. read. I think it's Denzel Mims. Was it Denzel Mims? I think so. All of a sudden you see Jack Jones stop. Like it looked really weird at first. It was like, why did he just overrun the ball? I was actually watching the ball on that one. The, the wind knocked it down. It did. But yeah. in, in terms of the short passing game, the intermediate passing game, if you're not throwing absolute lollipop rainbows, yeah, the the wind was a, a minimal factor. No, Zach Wilson is every golfer that stepped up into the tee box. Put it 150 yards out to the left in the woods. He probably, if he's golfing, he probably would have hit poor Devin uh, McCourty standing out there. The wind gust. Ah, oh, wind guys, uh, windy today, guys. It's like there's barely breeze. It's windy today, guys. Do you feel that? I, I've, I've golfed with that person. Anybody, I don't know if Morell plays golf, Evan. I know you're very against it. Morell doesn't. No. Anybody who's listening who's played golf knows exactly who I'm talking about. 
That was Zach Wilson on side. Oh, is, you feel this breeze? And, oh, I think it's starting to rain. There's not start, a cloud start in the picking sky. Up the grass and yeah, exactly. It in, yeah. It's coming right back down on him. Oh, look at oh, oh, it's going all the way over there. Like Zach Wilson is deaf. And then <laughs> I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a mulligan. It's fine. Right, the, the, yeah, breakfast ball, <laughs> breakfast ball, guys, breakfast ball. Zach Wilson when he throws it right into Devin Cordy's gut. Um, that and then the not taking accountability for it in the locker room. Zach Wilson is definitely like the worst person to get uh, stuck playing golf with. Okay, so... You made it eight episodes before I got into a golf rant, Evan. That, good job. Fine. Good job, that's good fine. effort. So, offensive line. So, yeah. David Andrews is out, might be out, might not be out. I, I I had also heard what Zoe had heard, which was that it wasn't as a bad as originally trickled and out. Zoe says Thursday. I'm not going to Thursday. Yeah, I know. But I, I did hear the same thing, and I think a big reason why is that David Andrews is a tough SOB. Yeah. So if he can play, I, I think that he's going to try to give it a go. I know Rappaport's r- new report is that he might be able to play towards the end of the year in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think Karen Gregan had a similar report as well. Right. As well. So we'll, we'll see. It's not necessarily season ending for David Andrews, but it it's going to be James Ferentz. And I know we're going to get questions about uh, Cody Russi and, and, and could Cody Russi, the rookie from Houston, undrafted yeah. rookie free agent that they signed that's now on the 53, uh, could it be him because it hasn't looked super pretty with James Ferentz but I think from a mental standpoint there's so much that goes into playing center you know line calls uh, things like that that it's going to be really tough for a rookie like Russie to take over but I think he's in play if it really goes downhill with Ferentz I I do think he's in play now the bigger concern that that I actually have and and look Ferentz is going to it is what it is at this point. Uh, the Jets did a nice job of getting Quinn and Williams one-on-one against him a couple times, which is obviously just not fair, not not a fair fight. Uh, tackle's going to be an issue. They're going to have an issue at tackle. And this kind of segues into the point of six sacks, how many are on Mac Jones, how many can he get rid of the football? Like, this was a big talking point yesterday, I know. Right. Was how much can you put blame for taking six sacks on Mac Jones? Because with all the pressure that we might've seen, you know, in certain games and stuff like taking six sacks in the Brady era in one game is like crazy, right? Like, what do you mean? (laughs) He got sacked six times. So sure. I I think that there's an element for Mac and I know a lot of people want him to like step up in the pocket and things. I I, I think watching back a lot of these sacks, I I don't think there were too many of them where stepping up in the pocket was really going to do him any favors. I I think that there is definitely an element though of him throwing balls at guys feet or just throwing it over a guy's head. Right. You know, there was one play that I think was really the killer, uh, which was, a third down play that knocked them out of Nick Folk's field goal range because of the win, and he doinked it off the crossbar. Yeah, that one was was a killer, and I, I think you know he wants Nelson Aguilar on this corner route, and he's kind of waiting for it to come open, and, and the pocket collapses on him. Nelson Aguilar wasn't necessarily open, but if you throw one of those only he can catch it type of passes right. where it goes, you know, it's either a circus catch by Nelson Aguilar. Or it's just out of bounds. But that's also where the wind comes in. Like on a day like that, maybe he doesn't want to, he's, he's thrown enough of those passes that end up hanging up and turning into interceptions. So that- this is, this is my point. I think this is what the biggest thing right now with Mac Jones is, is that he, first of all, I, I think anticipation is a problem right now for this offense because he's, he needs to see it open right now. Right, like if he's 
throwing the ball before guys are coming out of their breaks like the way it should be right now. You know, he's got guys falling down. He's got guys cutting the wrong angles, you know, and stuff like that. And, and this is how interceptions have happened to him in the past yeah. this season. Or guys, you know, not fighting for 50-50 balls. I won't name any names, but you know who I'm talking about. So th- this type hey, of... Hey, he's gotten better. It, yeah. That was like a first two weeks yeah. thing, but yeah. So so these things have happened all season long, so I, I think that that's a big part of it. And like you said, you know, weird wind gusts or weird thing happens and the ball hangs up longer than he wants. It's and then me, it's, the Mac apologist. Then it's intercepted, right? So on the one hand, you say, okay, well, he kind of has to get through that right you know he needs to be throwing with anticipation he needs to be getting the football out and not taking sacks but on the other hand you can understand why he's gotten here right so I think when you really go back and I I did this in after further review I went all six sacks and put them all out up on the on the on the board and, and broke them all down as best I could there is probably two out of the six that I had some reservations about like okay maybe he should have gotten the ball out here one of them was that one i just told you about where uh folk dointed off the crossbar and then there's a one earlier uh james ference gets beat clean by quinn williams no doubt about it that that ference is registered you know with the with the sack allowed but the play design the route design works right it gets hunter henry open but mac is kind of waiting for it right he doesn't want to throw it with anticipation now i'll allow for the fact that maybe quinn williams knocks it down because he's already in mac jones's face but you know they kind of open up a passing lane by sending Janu on a on a cross and uh, Ramondre in the flat, and it kind of opens up the two zones. And Hunter Henry just curls up in between the two zones, and he's open if Mac throws the ball with some anticipation. But it just he doesn't pull the trigger. So I, I would say one and a half because that one it was tough That's because fair. Quinton Williams is already in his face. So that means that a lot of these are on the offensive line. Right? Do you want the numbers? Yeah, do we want to do the numbers me, yeah. from PFF? Yeah, you, you can give me the numbers. I, I've recently started because using. I, I like giving the numbers from PFF because it's then it's not just me that's telling right. you. Oh this, no, right? it's, like there's, there's yeah. other people that are backing this up. Go so ahead. PFF tracks essentially QB. Uh, it's QB own pressure. So did yeah. the quarterback for whatever reason he ran himself into a blocker, or he held onto the ball, or there's a couple reasons the quarterback could allow a sack. Uh, so they have Mac Jones this season in seven games, four of his 21 sacks. And five of his 60, it's 60-something pressures. I don't, that's the one number I don't have here. Uh, but five of 60-something is a very small percentage, have been on Mac. Yeah. When it comes to percentage of dropbacks, because Mac obviously missed some games here, 8.2% of his pressures have been on him. That's yeah. the eighth best number in the league. So they don't think it's a problem. It, it, he's basically top 10 at not getting himself pressured. He, they don't think it's a problem. Here's the bigger number. And by the way, some of these numbers, because a sack can be at fault of multiple people, like you just said with the James right. Ferentz one, right? So these percentages add up to more than 100 if you're playing along at home. But the offensive line percentage, or in terms of the pressures, 96.7%. That's the highest right. in the NFL, no qualifier. Highest in the NFL, 24.6% from left tackle, 19.7% from left guard, 18% from center, and this is for the season, not the Jets game, the season. 6.6% from right guard. Shout out Michael Inwenu. He rules. I mean, let's not, just... Not his best game on Sunday, but he's... No, but let's tip, our, yeah. let's tip our cat. He's been like... He's the one guy that's been less responsible than Mac for all of this. Yes. <laughs> right tackle, 41% of yeah, the pressures from right tackle. And then there's another 4% that's either other blockers, so tight ends or backs, running backs, or ends, just yeah. coverage sacks. Right. So, here here's the thing... The tackles 
are a concern. They've been a concern all year long. I think Trent Brown has been had stretches where he's been good and uh, almost yeah. almost seventy five percent of all their sacks coming from the tackle spot. Right. So or pressure. Sorry, pressure. Right tackle. Yadi could just has had some good run blocking tape, some good screen tape. He had a really good block on Jacoby Myers. Yeah, that was a great play. Yeah, yeah. Pass blocking has been a nightmare. I don't know what why the, the athleticism that we see on the screen does not get translated into pass blocking, but it, it just hasn't. So, on the one hand, you would say, okay, well, so instead of Mac dropping, you know, five step drop out of shotgun where he's getting to ten yards, right? That's kind of like the depth. Most tackles are taught to set to 10 yards right like if you get your guy to 10 yards or beyond and the quarterback should step up in the pocket and you should keep it clean so instead of max setting to 10 yards maybe they adjust and start having him set to eight right so they give the tackles a little bit more leeway but the problem is is that you have to have a good interior then to (laughs) to keep the interior clean because he's not dropping back as far so i think on the one hand that the positive or, or, or the silver lining i the Jets defensive front end, I would also put the Colts. Like they, those two teams have two of the best interior D lines in the league, right? Like Quinn and Williams, uh, you know, DeForest Buckner with the Colts. Like th- those right. are some of the best D tackles they're going to face all year long. This Vikings team does not have D tackles like that. Not anymore. So, so I think that that's, you know, part of it. Uh, that's what I think they have to do moving forward is they're going to have to trust the interior line to be better than the tackles. And I would also then say design plays around it, right? You know, you got to get the ball out quickly. We know that. Uh, The moving pockets, I I think, is going to have to be more frequent. Well, Um, play action in general, you can run plays that... So it's not necessarily designing around it as in getting the ball out quick or moving back. You can do things where... The pass rushers have to think about it. You can slow yeah. down the pass rush. When you run things like play action, when you run things like draws, RPOs, Evan, not to get you too excited. Don't I'm get getting excited. tweets that people can hear you banging on uh. the table. Um, when you run those sort of concepts, right, right if you're a pass yeah. rush and you want to pin your ears back and get back upfield, now all of a sudden, oh, here's a draw, and you've totally vacated your space, and they're going to run right into your gap for big play. Now, next time you line up, that's in the back of your head. You're not necessarily going to sell all out as a pass rusher on the next play. You would hope, so, but Patricia will never call it again, so they won't think look, about I'm it. Look, ju- I'm just here. We're just here to say how the game works, right? Yeah. You can slow down a pass rush right. in that way with those sorts of concepts where you don't even necessarily need to run a quick throw or whatever or something like that. You just get in their head about it. We've talked about speeding up Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones has been sped up. There's a defensive equivalent of that, too. Pass rushers can get slowed down if you kind of force them out of position based on the scheme. Yeah, so they can find ways in the passing game to work around it. They can also find ways in the run game, I think, that they did with the full house package where you have multiple lead blockers, right? And now you're you're leading through both sides of the line. The running back has more options of where he can find space. And, you know, maybe that's the way that they do it. Maybe they start pulling Trent more like they did in some of the plays that we broke down earlier. Like So they, they're going to have to be very cognizant of the line because – Logan Mankins isn't walking through the door, right? Like Matt right. Light's not walking through the door. Like this is not getting any better from a personnel standpoint moving forward. Uh, this is sort of what you have. So you're going to have to just work with what you have. Now, as a play caller, Matty P, yeah. you have to be super cognizant of the fact that your line is a problem, 
right? So they cannot have any game plans anymore where they're trying to push the ball, you know, vertically right. down the no field. No more like three, three and a half second passing concepts. Right, unless it's under center play action with seven guys in the protection, right? Right. So they right. have to be and even very then, cognizant of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. All right, we got two more calls. We got to fly through them. Ted and Maine, uh, quickly, what do you got? Hey, um, so just wanted to ask, love the in-depth analysis. Uh, Thank you. High-level question. Why can't we let go of Matt Patricia as the offensive play caller? Why can't we put someone in like Nick Cayley or someone else? I mean, coaches get fired all the time. Why can't he actually do his job as the offensive line coordinator and get someone else in the mix calling the plays, if not Bill Belichick himself? Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's a fair question, Ted, and I think that's one that a lot of people are asking right now. I, I think it's there's a couple things. One, I, I do think that Bill looks at it and says, I mean, I kind of put him on a pretty bad spot, right? Like right. he's not an offensive coach now making him do all this stuff on offense. So the, more or less they kind of had Matty P fall on a sword, right? right. Like they, and, and I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, is that, you know, as maybe the, his background is an offense, but Nick Cayley has never called plays in an NFL game. Joe Judge has never called offensive plays. So at this point, at least Matty P has some experience under his belt, yeah. like maybe to get better at it. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I'm just trying to explain it. I'm not saying that I necessarily disagree with right. Ted or disagree with the notion that they should move on or, or give those play calling responsibilities to somebody else. But at this point you've built up 10 games of experience for Matt Patricia doing it. And I think that their hope is that he's going to get better at it. Like just like anything. Yeah. That's the big one. I mean, and I said this to you kind of in different context, but I said this to you earlier in the week off the air that remember where we were like two, three years ago with Steve Belichick and the defense yeah. and always oh, not the guy and this and that. And we haven't talked about it a lot, probably because there's so many questions on the offensive coaching staff, but right. Steve's pretty good at this. Yeah, he's gotten a lot Steve better. Steve has been excellent this year. Yeah. So, I Bill always talks about learning and growth, and he may just see this as a, all one big learning experience from Patricia. If you pull him, he's not learning. The other thing is, that's a pretty dramatic change, yeah. even if it is somebody within the organization still calling plays. If there was a time to do that, it was the bye week. And I'm not saying they were going to, but... Especially now, you got back-to-back short weeks and all of that. Like, it's, you might, there's a good chance you create more problems than you solve just with the the, the sheer volume of what that shakeup would be. That I think at this point, it is what it is. You're going to see the year out at this point. It, it would just, you risk creating an even bigger mess. I think you seriously risk creating an even bigger mess if you make that change at this point. All right, Steve in New York. Steve, you're on the air. What do you got? Yeah, I just had a quick question. Um, just wanting to know, uh, why is it that we can't get to that, like, dink and dunk, you know, um, uh, if our offensive line is so bad that we only get, like, two seconds, you know, you know, less than three seconds to throw the ball? Is it, uh, do we not have the receivers to do that? Um, you know, when Brady was here, or, you know, Brady now when he has a, a terrible offensive line, he still gets the ball out, like, you know, really quickly. Is it something that we can do? Can we go back to any of our playbooks in the past? I'm just wondering why is it that we don't do that if we know the line is terrible? Yeah, it's it's another fair question, it's Steve. Great question. Thanks for calling in. I, I think they do try to do pieces of that. And they've had a little bit of success with it. I think the biggest issue that you that you have with it, or what I see with it, is that the defenses get paid too, and and they right. know that that's what they're going to try to do, right. right? And I think that was a big part about it. Um, in this Jets game, is the Jets knew 
that the Patriots are going to try to run some quick game concepts and get the ball out of Mac Jones's hands. So they're kind of sitting on those types of routes, right? They're waiting right. for him. So I think that the idea with some of the under center play action stuff is to kind of open that type of stuff up, right? You know, we're showing you that we're going to push the ball a little right. bit more downfield and hopefully it will open it up. I, I think that they are trying to run some of that kind of stuff. It just, it just hasn't been successful for, you know, different reasons. It, I also would maybe push back just a little bit in that the Patriots offense was ever truly dink and dunk. You know, yeah, that's kind of yeah. like a, a little bit of a of a Patriot homer kind of defend the wall on that <laughs> one. Um, but I hear you. I, I, yeah. I think that that could be a bigger part of what they do moving forward. Yeah. All right. We have like six minutes to talk about the Vikings. Well, we also need, we need time to walk down the hall. Okay, yeah, six minutes. Six All minutes. Right. We can walk down the hall in, in two minutes. That's I have fair. faith in us. All right, so... Big thing here with the Vikings to me is that everything that I look at from a macro level to a micro level tells me that this eight and two record is a little bit fake. Negative two scoring differential. Okay, so they have bad scoring differential. They're twenty third in DVOA right now. Okay, uh, they have the lowest DVOA in the history of DVOA for an eight and two team. Like they're the worst eight and two team. I mean, that's Aaron Schatz's whole thing right now, right? Yeah, is they're the worst eight and two team of all time. Yeah. Since 1981. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. he doesn't go back further than that. So, they're the worst. So, I'm not saying that to take them lightly or anything like that. It's they got really good skill position players. I think there is some new coach mojo that might be wearing off a little bit. But that they were playing with a lot of energy um, for, for O'Connell and stuff like that early on in the year, certainly. But this, to me, is still a very winnable game. Uh, the macro is that they're probably not a very good eight and two team Yeah. in reality. Uh, the micro is I think that there's little things in this matchup that really favor the Patriots. Right. So one is that Kirk cousins is a statue. So you can sit, you want sit, the numbers you can sit there and tee off on Kirk cousins. He's also terrible under pressure, not Zach Wilson, terrible, but he's, Oh, he's very close. He's actually, he's not as bad as Zach. It's pretty close. In terms of, in terms of completion percentage, there's only three quarterbacks between Kirk cousins and Zach Wilson. Kirk Cousins from clean pockets this year, completing 74% of his passes. Yeah. When he's pressured, that number goes down to 42.3%. Yeah. So. The other thing that I, you know, that we've both kind of yeah. hinted at is that, well, first of all, their run game is just Alvin Cook, right? right. Like it's an under center, traditional, no mobile quarterback. And the Patriots have actually been outstanding as a run defense against those types of run teams yeah. without a threat of a quarterback right now. They do bootleg. So I guess there's like the play action threat, but without the true threat of a quarterback run element, uh, the Patriots have been nails against those types of teams. So they can win up front in this yep. game, especially Kristen Jarosow not playing. So, they can win up front in this game. The other thing, from a defensive standpoint, is so, that... W- real quick, before yes. you blow by that, the Darisaw loss is massive. Yeah, it's huge. Massive. He's one of the best tackles in the league. He's been PFF's best tackle this year. His backup, Blake Brandell, has played less than 100 snaps this year. He played 39 two weeks ago, 39 last week. Last yeah, week in 39 sla- snaps, he allowed four pressures and two sacks. He's a guy they can tee off on. He hasn't played a ton of football. If I'm the Patriots, we talked earlier about these games, right, that they run with the pass rushers. Yeah. Anything you can do to get this guy one-on-one with Matthew Judon, you do it. And Matthew Judon will have a memorable Thanksgiving. (laughs) The poor guy gets into the game after... um, I'm sure sure Blake's a nice guy, but... 
<laughs> and they Mike, put they put Micah Parsons. He's got Micah Parsons and now Matthew Judon back to back weeks. Welcome to the NFL play. Yeah, nightmare. But uh, that is a matchup the Patriots Micah need to Parsons exploit. Micah Parsons ran that like little inside out rip that Matthew Judon also liked. I was gonna say you think Judon was watching Jeez. Parsons like, oh, I can do that, and yeah. I can do that, and I can do that. It was it was not good. So traditional run game, offensive lines a little bit banged up. Yeah, quarterback that doesn't handle pressure well and can't escape pressure. And we've we've been on this, which is what I was getting at. Besides Justin Jefferson, this passing game, like Thielen's not the same guy anymore. Right. Hawkinson's still getting integrated, and they're still right. trying to figure that out. Plus, the Patriots took Hawkinson out when he was here with Detroit. With, the, with Detroit, yeah. So Dalvin Cook's probably their second best weapon, and they've had some trouble with receiving backs in the past. Yeah, but... and, and their screen game is really good with yeah. Dalvin. So that's something that you have to worry about as well. But I think the point that we're getting at from the Patriots' defensive perspective is we know that Bill is going to he's going to game plan the run game with Dalvin Cook, and he's going to game plan Justin Jefferson. Right, right. And if they beat them throwing to Thielen and KJ Osborne and TJ Hawkinson. Then you tip your cap. Kirk Cousins' passer rating drops by 20 points when he's throwing wide receivers not named Justin Jefferson. Right. So, in the past, Bill has gone with a couple different strategies. You know, when he had a Stephon Gilmore, Darrell Revis, it would just be that guy against Justin Jefferson. Last week with Dallas, they have Trevon Diggs, so he shadowed Justin Jefferson everywhere he went. I, that could be John Jones. Like I think John Jones has earned it. I think he's played a yeah. had a hell of a year. So I think they could trust John Jones on him. I think we will also see some bracket calls oh, against sure. Justin Jefferson, especially on third down, because his whole thing from Jefferson is he loves that dig series, right? Where he's gonna right. either, he's kind of like an option. He can break in or he can break on the out. He just reads the leverage of the corner, breaks off the leverage, and if you put a guy inside of him and a guy outside of him, then he can't go in and out, right? right. You know, so he's excellent dig route runner. And, and let's not he forget he's, he's dealing with the toe injury too. He's dealing yeah. with turf toe injury. So, so the last thing is that this Vikings defense zone de- defense they played like yeah. 15% man coverage, their big zone defense, they are allowing the most yards in the league to play action right now. So I think the Patriots can throw on it. They're like Patrick yeah. Peterson's still good, but he's and not the player he was. It's in the dome. Yeah. Harrison Smith is still good, but he's not the player he was. Right. They've been rotating all year at that second cornerback spot. Andrew Booth Jr., the rookie, is he's uh, hurt. He's hurt. Yeah, he's a guy that they've tried there. They've tried a Caleb Evans there. I think he didn't practice this, or he was limited yesterday as well, or would have been. Right. The pass rush isn't bad. They got to get it blocked. But if they can get it blocked, like the Jets' defense is much better. Yes, they're going to be able to throw on this Vikings defense if big if if Mac has time. So there you have it. There's a chance. We're saying there's a chance. Like there's I think I think when you look at the records of these two teams, you think, oh, eight and two Vikings at home, short week. Like this does not spell a great This is the beauty option of, for the Patriots. This game is the beauty of football in that it's not, you know, if you were to just rate them on one to hundred, Madden rating, right? The Vikings right. might have a better rating. Yeah. But all the matchups it's strength on strength. All the matchups in this game favor the Patriots. It's kind of like yeah. how the Patriots beat the Jets. The Jets then beat the Bills, right? And the Patriots then beat the Jets again, pretty embarrassingly. Right. Does that mean the Patriots are that much better than the Bills? As much as I'd like to think so, no, it doesn't. It's just the the way it all matches up. Yeah, it is very favorable to the Patriots. This is another game where the Vikings do some things at an incredibly high level, 
Those also happen to be the things that the Patriots are experts at taking away. Exactly. All right. That's a great way to put it. And they don't necessarily have like a secondary option to go to. Okay. So uh, we got to wrap it up. We got Bill Belichick coming here at 11. And uh, then Unfiltered will be at noon and Playbook at 2. A long day on Patriots.com right here. So keep it right here. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.